0: Hello and welcome back to the fourth episode of Mets Mafia, very happy to have a special episode here, I'm your host CJ Owens, I got uh, Greg Walsh here, Greg you want to say any opening words for folks?
1: Listen, we had a good week, and I'm um, excited for another big week ahead of us. That's all I really got right now. LFGM, I'm very happy with some of the things I saw. Let's keep it rolling, baby. One week at a time.
0: And I'm going to pass it over to Cunny, who's going to introduce our very first guest here on Mets Mafia. Um, we are very happy to have him here. I want to thank him a lot for coming on the show. Um, we're going to have some more guests on, but uh, without further ado, Cunny will introduce our first guest. So I'll throw it over to him. There you go, brother.
2: How's it going, everybody? We're excited to talk Mets baseball, and we are very excited to have our first official guest on Mets Mafia. We'd like to introduce Al Centron. He's a seven-line contributor. Follow him on Twitter, at Al. He does my infamous take. It's great material. You guys got to give him a listen. Al, thanks. thank you for joining us. How are you?
3: I'm good. Thank you, guys, for having me on. I appreciate
2: it. Thank you for coming on, man. Like I said, we appreciate it. Uh, we're excited. We got a good week in Mets baseball to talk about. Uh, we'll start with the Philly series. It was good to sweep the Phillies. The last game got postponed. Uh, they'll make that one up in June. But the Mets took uh, the three games they played against them. So, Al, uh, let's hear your thoughts on game one.
3: Uh, refresh my memory, to be honest with you. I, I, this weekend, I was into the Rocky series.
1: Well, yeah. So, to recap game one for you, Al, I'll give you a quick little notes that I took down. So, my biggest takeaway was the Taiwan Walker start. I mean, I think he... Really showed another good outing on the bump. He had a lot of K's, which is what I like to say. I think mean, he had eight that game, and he's got a 12 or 13 on the year. But he's throwing a high velocity. He's going out there, and it's not just the Grom on this, in this rotation, it's Strowman and Walker, and we got more to come. And there's some really good starting pitching for the Mets right now. And uh, another takeaway I had personally, not a big Nimmo guy. It wasn't crazy to see him swinging away. First and second, no outs, bottom seven. I think that's a clear bug situation when you got Winterdeck, Dom Smith, all the boys. That's a game we got to win in that moment. But, you know, luckily we came away in the bottom of the eighth and we got the walk-off, and it was still a good win. And a win is a win at the end of the day, so I'll take it.
3: Well, uh, Tyron Walker, I think he's going to end up being the biggest steal of the uh, offseason, pitching-wise. You know, everybody wanted Trevor Bauer. I was back and forth on it. But Walker is the kind of guy, he's a clubhouse guy. And look at the price. He's uh, You know, his first three pitches opening day were 96, strike three, strike one, strike two, strike three the kid loses confidence. If he wanted to be a medic, we looked at his tweets during the off season. He would you know, cryptic tweet, I'm available, hello. Like he was watching SNY on uh, baseball night in New York. He knew what was going on. Every time his name was mentioned, he threw out a tweet. And then Anthony Record would always mention him. And so I started paying attention to him. And I realized that that money uh, compared to Bauer and less of a headache, uh, this guy could be the biggest steal of the off season. And we have him for a couple years. So, I like what I see out of him, as long as he can stay healthy.
2: Yeah, Tyron Walker, he's off to a great start. I mean, through – I think he's got two starts under his belt now. He's got yeah. 2.61 ERA, 12 Ks, and five walks. I mean, CJ, what are you liking from Walker?
0: No, yeah, he's looked really uh, good. Uh, I come in and just uh, solidify that back end of the bullpen, that's huge, especially with the uh, center guard out and Carrasco um, as well. So, for him to step up and uh, – Throw well in the beginning of the season definitely bodes well for us. So hopefully he can continue that. And then on game two, Strowman really went out and stro- shoved there too. So he's uh he's honestly uh obviously Degrom is the best pitcher in baseball, but uh Strowman's been throwing great for us, and uh, for him to spot in that number two there is real nice. And to go out there and get that dub, he got two dubs that week. I think he got the Rockies. Obviously after that as well, made that fantastic play. Um, so it's good to see the pitching staff. Um, Nemo's hot. Uh, so some good things, and to see the team uh, rattle off all those W's with uh, some of the key contributors of the, um, on the hitting side not doing much uh, is a good sign, I think, moving forward. Because when those guys get hot, uh, they'll be a force to recommend. The,
3: the thing with the Phillies, uh, you know, both times they faced Nola, they've made him work. They made okay. him throw a lot of pitches, and they, let him, and they made him work. And if you can get him uh, to overwork, that's when he's hittable. I think he's overrated. <laughs> uh that's just my opinion I've never liked him that's just my opinion again <laughs> but um I I think the, the Mets when they made him work and that was the thing and you could see him getting tired as the game went on then it got to him so
1: yeah that's a great point Alan I've been realizing it. it's not just been with Nola too it's great that we've been able to do that to Philly's ace that's going to be a great theme if we can keep that going when we're facing the elite pitchers that we face in this Division and really just in the National League in general. And to see the Mets doing that already in April, listen, we might not be having the success we're looking for with all the hits. We're not knocking the wall down with everything, but if we're making guys throw 50, 60 pitches through three, four innings, that's that's a good approach right there. And that's showing what the lineup's focused on right there more than actually hitting the ball 500 feet every time. They have a little bit more of an idea of what they're trying to do, which is get that guy out of the game, get to the bullpen.
3: They did it to Wheeler as well. Yep. Uh, the at uh, game three of that series, we're used to seeing him three innings, 65 pitches in the Met uniform. Another guy who Met Twitter seems to be still be gaga over the guy got to me his contract was not worth it, it just wasn't. Yeah, he he, he pitched well, but let me give me a big spot he pitched well in. Never happened, never happened. So, you know, but that's my biggest thing with, with Met Twitter. They seem to dwell on what could have been, what should have been. We should have kept this guy. No, man. I love the team we have now. This is a team. This is a team. These guys all pull for each other. When was the last time you had a Met team that they pulled for each other? The team that went to the World Series unexpectedly. That was the last time. I love the chemistry of this team. There's no me guys. It's all about team. And that's what it's all about right now. So I love what I see right now.
2: Yeah. I mean, you talk about even everyone's contributing. You're talking about team. I mean, in that doubleheader against the Phillies, Jonathan VR was huge. He came in with that huge walk-off hit game one, and then he had another huge RBI double, I believe, in game two. So top yeah. to bottom, you're getting contribution from guys. I mean, I know even some guys are struggling, but they're stepping up in big moments. Like, I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves at the Colorado series, but Lindor struggling, big base hit in the Colorado series. You're seeing things start to happen. I agree with you, Al. I mean, the Philly series had to get you excited because it's a divisional rival. You beat Nola, you beat them. Wheeler. So that was a great series all around.
3: I hate them. Every time I, especially at Shea stated back in the day, Philly Mets, 2006, 2007, 2008, the number of fights and blood that I saw spilled in the stands, unreal. I don't need to get off, off topic. When I went to a Mets-Philly game in the last season, it was Johan versus Cole uh, Hamels, ESPN Sunday night game. They they rocked him. All it, I took my little nephews to this game, a night game. It was originally a day game. got switched to a night game, ESPN, doing what they do. A huge brawl broke out in the upper deck. Philly fans were being thrown down the stairs, blood all over them and everything. My nephew said, we're never coming back again. They didn't want to go back to the stadium ever again after that. They were young. So they wanted no part after that. But the fights, the rivalry, I love that. I hate Philly, but I love beating them. That's, That's the best part about it.
1: And a, th- a three-game sweep, especially on that, that Tuesday double-header sweep, too, revenge after them beating us 2-1 in the series. We come back, take two, take the next. I was really hoping we were going to get that Thursday game in and the ground would yeah. shove it up. Oh, um, yeah. And then we get a four-game sweep right out have been nice and sweet, man. There's no greater feeling than beating the Phillies. They're, they're that team for me, too, that's always been, like, I'm, out of the four division rivals, they're that top, like, most hated for me as well.
3: And, and the way the fan base is uh, kills Diaz, Imagine a Phillies when Hector Norris comes in the game. I was tweeting throughout every – bring him in. I love Norris. I love Norris. What did he do? He gave up the ass. I was so happy. Never fails with him. He's, it's a splitter or a fastball. If it splitter's off, just sit on that fastball. That's it. No, the Mets definitely do have Norris' number. I think you
0: guys made some really good points. Uh, the Phillies, uh, like you said, uh, going back to that, like that time period, you said 06, 07, 08. Uh, The Phillies-Mets rivalry, that was real high. Um, One thing I'll never forget is during that collapse, when we had that uh, David Wright just staring at that ball and Philly uh, dribble off the line. And uh, on the picture of a newsday the next day, as they're uh, collapsing there. So yeah, the Phillies definitely are uh, one of my most, I think the Braves take the cake for me. I definitely like them the least. Um, But just because I feel like the Phillies haven't been as great in recent years. But yeah, it's definitely always good to beat them. Um, and I think we made some good points with uh, working the count, and especially against Nolo, I thought that was uh, really good. And uh, I think the reason for that, Greg, you might not like it, but it starts at the top. You know, Nemo's out there working the count, and it's uh, from the top to the bottom. So he's starting that there. And uh, what are you gonna do? They're all uh, they're all getting their mo from a Nemo right there. So it's good to see. Listen, man, I'm just I'm just glad. Sorry I cut you off. Though. I'm just glad because
1: well, one of the notes I wrote down for game two, Nemo had a great game, game. uh Game two of that doubleheader, I will say, and I'm not afraid to say, it, you know, he's he's a good ball player when he's there and he's swinging early in the count is what I want to see from him. Maybe not first to bat at bat of the game, obviously, or to lead off an inning, but in those spots after that VR double, when there was first and second outs, Brandon Nimmo, swing the bat. And that's what he did. He had three hits that game. Two of them with an RBI single. The other was a two RBI double, I believe. When he gets that, he's going to, they're going to pound the zone up. He's got to attack. That's what I want to see more from him. And you know what? Yeah, that's why he's so hot i think right now because he is right he sets that tone he sees his pitches he works it fast. but when, that's when he's going to be producing a lot for the top of the order right there so i want to
3: keep seeing it i'm like you i was not a nimble guy i, I every time he was mentioning to trade i'm like trade him you know I'm not, i wasn't nimble guy but now i've put personal differences aside like his personal views i put that to the side because I, I want to see this team win. I want the orange-blue takeover of New York City to where it was in the mid, mid to late 80s. There was no one at Yankee Stadium. Trust me, I went to a game, Ed Whitson, look him up, pitched at Yankee Stadium. No one was there. No one was there. This might've been 85. There were Met Billboard, Strawberry, Gooden, Hernandez, all over the city. It was a Met takeover. I want that feeling again. And it's beautiful to see the Bronx, those clowns in the Bronx struggling. And it, I'm just loving what I'm seeing right now. It, it's going to happen, man. An orange and blue
1: takeover is coming. Oh, I do want to shout out something for the that Wednesday game, I think it was, the 14th when we beat the Phillies in game three. David Peterson on the mound, oh, man. Was, oh, yeah. That day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was shuffling, and that was something really nice to see, especially after his first start when he got rocked in the first inning. But what did he do? He settled down. He gave us another three or four strong, I believe, after and kept him, held his own. And what he do? He came out against the same team, same exact lineup I think they threw at him, and he shoved that game. That was awesome to see. You guys know I'm a big Peterson guy. I have a lot of hopes for him, and
3: that was awesome. His stuff, six man. Innings. That, that curveball slider, nasty. Yeah, six innings and 10 Ks. He only gave up two hits.
2: I think the only run was a homer to Segura, who just seems to get the Mets for some reason. But he was outstanding that day. And another thing we can't forget, too, is James McCann hit his first homer as a Met that day. Yep. It was a big two-run homer late in the game. Gave us a little bit of breathing room there. And that was a great Tom, game that had day. Had a big home run
1: early on, too. Dom's really showing it, man, this year. I think he's taking that next step. CJ was saying it earlier a couple weeks ago. Dom could really be proving himself as a legit, legit bat in this league. And I think this is that year. He's swinging early in the count in key spots. Again, I, that's just how I like my middle guys, top order guys to do it. And that Dom's having success there, though.
3: I like the switch that you said uh, when they moved Smith to three and Conforto uh, to six. I think Smith is better in that spot. He also knows how to, he works the counts, and he's always relaxed at play. Conforto's pressing. He's been pressing, uh, and he's in the contract season. So that his, his agent didn't do him any favors by saying, hey, he's worth over $200 million before the season started. So he's pressing. So I think that switch in the lineup is good for the Mets.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, Dom Smith is a professional hitter. Like you see that there. He's just every at-bat, he's working the camp. Um, you never see him give it up at-bat. Uh, you know, uh, Conforto is definitely struggling right now. So I think Conforto is definitely a good hitter as well. But Dom is just on fire right now. And I think he, is, he can be a number three hitter. So I like that there. And uh, just the whole uh, Philly series in general, that was just a great team series, like a great team win, um, top to bottom. And that's something we alluded to in the first episode. I know VR had that big walk-off hit. Um We said that we liked those moves to strengthen the bench because you had guys in there that could fill in. And with J.D. out, sure enough, VR comes in and uh, does a great job there. So that was big to see and uh, definitely good wins in the beginning of the series series. Uh, and uh, one more thing I wanted to add, uh, this is definitely a Yankee slander before that. So we love that, uh, Al. We love that energy yeah. and uh, keep it coming because I'm all
3: for that. <laughs> um, I, listen, anytime you need it, I'll bring it. Uh, I've always teased one of my childhood friends. He, in the 80s, has pictures with him and uh, Wally Backman and George Foster. He's wearing mekia. And then you fast forward to the 90s and Jita, all of a sudden, he's a Yankee fan. So I would always say, dude, let's go to your fucking bedroom and we can see the picture that you have with Backman and Foster Then you have a big old smiley face with your pajamas on. <laughs> Sorry for the F-bomb. <laughs> hey, no, nah, you're good.
2: No, if anyone deserves it, it's the Yankees. It's the Yankees, the Phillies, the Braves, the Nationals. The whole game. There's, no, there's, there's nothing better going through baseball Twitter right now than
0: the uh, video Carabas over at Barstool made of the overlay
1: of Big Poppy going, Jake, he's lose. To every <laughs> <different one."
0: laughs> Just gets me every time.
2: <laughs> All right, so let, why don't we move into the Colorado series? CJ, I'm going to pass it to you. You got a lot of pitching knowledge, uh, pitcher in college. I mean, how about Jacob DeGrom, game one?
0: Yeah, man. I mean, uh, the again has been getting the short end of the stick too. I mean, his series, uh, starts pushed back, uh, rained out. And, uh, that kind of sucks for us because maybe we lose the start for him now just because he keeps getting pushed back. But we'll add those games at the end of the season. So hopefully i will make those start up. But, uh, yeah, he's out going out there and dominant, man. Uh, uh, you thought, I thought in the beginning, I made the comment in the first inning, his first couple pitches were only 97 98. So I was like, uh, I thought the air in Colorado is supposed to be thinner, so you'll throw harder. So I was worried the gun was slow, what was going on, but he settled into his normal self, man. He's just dominant, go out there and uh, shove it. And uh, to have him go out there every fifth day is just huge for us. So um, it was good to see him to go out in Colorado, which is a tough place to pitch, and uh, he was his normal self. So that was great to see our ace go out there and get us that dub.
3: Yeah, I tweeted out uh, after the first inning that he didn't look comfortable to the You can see him on the mound. He looked like he was fighting himself. And then, then after that, I think it was the third inning was, let's go, strikeout, 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 nine in a row. And I didn't even know the record was 10. And my wife was like, he's going to get it. And no, Gary Cohen jinx continues. That was that. He didn't get the 10th one. <laughs> but watching him, we're watching greatness. I saw Doc's career. Um. That was, you know, I had my yellow K. They used to put the yellow Ks on Shea Stadium on the top. And I had my yellow K. And for Doc, that was my guy. I got a chance, I was able to meet him. That was a beautiful thing as well. Uh, but this guy, DeGrom, man, in my opinion, I know Seaver is the god. He is the ultimate god. But DeGrom could have a statue when it was all said and done right with Seaver at City Field.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And Al, I've also met Doc Gooden. And I, I know he had his problems in the past. But when you meet him, he's a great guy. He's a pleasure to talk to, and like you said, it's great to draw – we're talking about drawing a comparison between Doc Gooden. I mean, that is some high company, man. Jacob DeGrom, he continues to show why he is on a Hall of Fame trajectory. I mean, Greg, what do you have to say about DeGrom?
1: I mean, yeah, when when we're putting him in the same class, guys like Doc and Tom Saver, the franchise, I mean, that says it all. Those guys are all-time pitchers when you just talk about the league in general. Jacob DeGrom will be in that conversation for – that for the rest of the time, if he keeps this up, he's, he's just, already scary. One. Yeah, he already is. And I say that too. Like I, I mean, we're biased as Mets fans, but look at look at the body of work he's putting out there, man. His velo just keeps going up. He keeps getting better. Nobody's doing these things. I think this is the second time he, started, he struck out nine in a row, too, right? Or did he do eight in a row against the Marlins a couple years I ago? I
3: think I think it's eight. This is the. I think this might have been. Uh, I, I could be wrong, but I think it was eight. I think he didn't hit yeah, the pitcher. Yeah.
0: The, the pitcher was the one who uh, put the ball in play. Against
1: the <laughs> that one was crazy because that was to start a game. He had the first eight guys just mowing him, and I think it actually might have been Jose Fernandez at the time, like, tapped out with a grounder. And then here, we, here he is on Saturday going nine in a row, going receivers 10 again. Like, no one else is doing that in baseball in general. It's crazy. This guy's throwing – and it's 101 sitting every time, like – Relievers are barely sitting one on one. This guy's doing it on his 70th, 80 pitches of the ball game.
3: See, that's why I think with him, when his if later in his career, let's say he can't get through the five innings, six innings anymore, he can do what John Smoltz did and become a closer and make his career last long. Because he said he wants to finish to his 40s. If he can stay like this, a freak, and just stay even at 95 as high as he gets older, he can definitely be a closer to end his career.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. The thing that I always like praise about the Grom is he throws 9900 and everyone's throwing 9900 nowadays but watching him throw it is different because he it's just so free and easy with him it doesn't even look like he's trying and i saw the same thing you saw al in that start when i watched the recap he was like grabbing his like hip a little he was moving he was looking a little all funky meanwhile it was still coming out 192 on that slider just biting across the plate like and he's like not even feeling himself and then once he is loose the next eight guys go down like <laughs> you can't. And he still, that up. <laughs>
3: even when he did that, he still didn't look comfortable. He was fighting with himself the whole start. That that's him. You can't. You, I, we're watching greatness, fellas. Greatness.
2: Yeah, he probably looked uncomfortable because he was supposed to pitch the day before. I mean, Degrom really hasn't even had a chance to get in a routine yet this year with all of these postponements and cancellations. I don't know, uh, like how he's managing in between starts because he hasn't. I mean, they've been doing their best, but he hasn't really pitched on that consistent basis yet. So I imagine that probably went into in the first inning. But like we said, we're watching greatness. The guy's a machine. He fixed it, and he was dominant. And who who had that big base hit that gave him the win? We got to give him some clout. The
1: door. The door.
2: Exactly. I mean, it's about time somebody steps up for DeGrom. That's got to be nice to watch if you're DeGrom in the dugout, watching your shortstop go out there and get you that W. Because
3: he they bailed him out this time. Remember, he yeah. gave up the lead, and this time – they covered his ass, and he came. They got. They they came through for him. So it was hey, nice. At least, yeah.
1: the least they could do. At least yeah. they could do it after the last two games. <laughs>
3: Jeez, at least they could do it for the last couple of years. <laughs> last couple of years. Yeah, the Mets are uh, probably forever
0: in debt to Degrom with all the uh, bad luck we've had for him. So it's definitely good to see uh, get one out there. Um, and then Stroman, you know, the, to lose that second game. Marquez is on it, but then Stroman uh, throws another. Uh, Another gem in game three, man made that sick play in the eighth inning. There had a low pitch count, too. Had one of those uh Maddox games, like they say, he didn't finish it out for the shutout, but he had, I think, less than or 90 pitches going into that uh ninth inning. But Diaz came in, shut it out, can with that great throw. So, like you said, and when door had that big hit, so just team wins, like they're all pieces together. Um. And, yeah, DeGrom hasn't been able to get into a routine. That's something that just I think just speaks to his greatness, like Al said. That's the only word you can use to describe him, his greatness.
3: The only concern I have with the team right now, if I have something negative to say about the Mets, is Alonzo swinging at way too many high fastballs out of the zone. That's the only thing I can say negative about the team. Lindor, yeah, he's not hitting, but he's doing other things. He's picking other guys up. He's uh, getting to balls that no other shortstop can get to. You know, he's it's all those elements of Lindor's game that makes him worth the contract. Everybody's like, how can you pay him that much? No, no. This guy's a top five player. And it's only April. And remember, he jumped from the American League to the National League. so Everything's all new to him. That guy, that guy is a leader. And everybody rallies around him.
2: 100% agree, Al. I mean, look at Lindor's numbers. He doesn't have the average right now. He's hitting 189. But he only has three strikeouts this year. It's not like this guy's. Yeah, he's not up there getting blown away. He's not getting embarrassed. He's like, I agree with you. I think he's finding his footing with his new city, his new team, new league. He's seen new pitching. I mean, you got to cut this guy a break. And he's just a pro's pro. You saw that tag he made to end the game with McCann's throw. And the celebration after just has you fired up. This guy's proud to be here. And I love that he's a Matt.
3: Yeah. We, we never get guys like this. Yeah. Never. We always, what if? Maybe A Rod's coming. Ah. Griffin Jr.'s coming. Ah. Uh, you name some other superstars, that never happens. But we finally got somebody who signed here that wants to be here. That's, that's that's everything's turning turn around for this team, man, for the organization as a whole. We still have a black cloud over the team. I know you're gonna get to that later when it comes to Alderson and all this other stuff. But the tide's turning, man. There's no more hiding your orange and blue. Like I said, the orange and blue takeover is happening.
2: I'll just mentioned uh, Sandy Alderson that bombshell came out this week that Sandy Alderson turned the blind eye when rehiring David Newman. Um, He reportedly was bullying a pregnant woman and he just uh, had inappropriate actions towards women and Sandy Alderson decided to rehire him anyway. So Greg, I'll let you share your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, man. I think we uh, spoke a little about this in week one or two when we were highlighting the off season and it just sucks that this keeps happening. And as my fans, to see three or four of these incidents happen all in one off season or in now one season. It's just, we're like, like Al's been saying, we're trying to get that new wave and show them be proud to rep these colors. And this is the last thing we want to have on us. It doesn't look good for the team, the organization, the fans, the players. It's just not a good look. It needs to be a better regimen put in place, whether it's for the Mets or just baseball in general and get people who We're making these wrong decisions and take them out of being in charge. And we need the right people there. And, you know, Sandy's a guy we love as Mets fans for everything he's done for us. And it sucks when it's someone you like who's involved, whether it's him directly or not. Or it's just never something you want to see.
3: Listen, he got us to – he helped get us to a World Series. He was appointed by Major League Baseball because the Mets were a shit show, okay, under the Ponds. And the thing when the Ponds were in charge, people were afraid to come out. And the media – uh, that covers the Mets, they're responsible for not coming out and speaking out either, uh, about uh, all this. They kept quiet. and Now, all of a sudden, a lot of them want to come out and flex their muscles. Where were they when this was happening? They were hiding because they didn't want to have their, what, press creden- uh, credentials uh, revoked? So if if Sandy's guilty, and with Cohen in charge, who's a leader, is, he doesn't, he's not going to take any crap. If Sandy's guilty, he's got to go. No more black clouds. I respect the fact that, that he helped us get to a World Series fought for the country, and he beat cancer. But you know what, doesn't mean that you're a great person. So if he was enabling these uh, these clowns, he's gotta go. He's gotta go.
0: No, I, uh, I definitely agree, cause you just gotta uh, like, cause all these things keep coming out. Like you said, I think that was a good point. Um, it's definitely, uh, the reporters are definitely um, not coming out with this information earlier. They were definitely had this cause these things didn't happen yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and these allegations obviously didn't happen yesterday either, so. Um, I think that's part of it. But the bigger part of it is it's just it's a culture thing, it looks like, because when it just happens time after time, you just have to stop and ask, like, where does it come from? And you have to look at the top. And so if Sandy is that guy, I mean, he is at the top. He oversees all of that. Um, the article that came out um, was not good to him at all. So, yeah, I agree. I think that if that's the case, then Sandy has to go. He's done a lot of great things for us. Um, but somebody's got to be held accountable. It's got to be somebody high up. You've seen Jared Porter go already. He was held accountable. And how many more times is it going to happen before it's Sandy? So I think it—I uh, think it's only a matter of time until you get
3: that news. Um, but that's just my opinion. Wasn't Sandy also around when Mickey Calloway?
2: I mean, the Mets app- apparently knew about that. So Sandy, I agree he's with you guys. Yeah, no, he's still employed. He is still employed. It's yeah. absolutely disgraceful. I mean, we Whatever. we are not no, insiders. The
1: story on him. they put him on in a Mets app because it makes more noise that way. Yeah, that That's was yeah, still a bad
0: luck
2: for us. <laughs> yeah, but I agree with you guys. I think that news might be coming soon because this is uh we've been talking about the orange and blue takeover. We got to do this the right way. I mean, we got the right team moving forward. We need the right guys in charge, and if we want to take over the city, like I said, we just got to do it the right way. So I agree with you guys.
3: Take over the city and take over baseball because the Mets have the chance under uh, Steve Cohen to be a dynasty. A dynasty. Guys are going to want to – let me ask you a question. When you watch the Yankees, a, a Yankee game or Yankee broadcasts, does that seem exciting? No. no. Well, my, no.
1: Michael, no. Michael, Michael Dex- Day is the most boring play-by-play guy Bingo. in the game. So, I mean <laughs>
3: – I always say <laughs> if you have trouble sleeping, BBR a Yankee game, put it on, <laughs> and you'll go to bed. The Yankees are boring to watch. They're boring to listen to. It's home run or nothing, and their fans are a bunch of. Sh- I'll I'll leave the I'll leave the cursing out, <laughs> but, we, but when it comes to the you know the Yankees and the Mets, the Mets are exciting, you know you see them all smiling, laughing, pulling for each other. The Yankees just they all look miserable and so miserable that Jay Bruce retired during the season.
0: Yeah, like I said before, I love all that Yankee slander, so I'm here for it. I love to see them struggling so far this season. Like you said, it's all or nothing with them. You know, home run or bust um, outside of Garrett Cole on that starting pitching uh, is putrid. They really don't have much talent there. And uh, so we'll see how they go. I mean, they have too much talent in that lineup to be down for long, but uh, they definitely have some questions there. But I expect them to be back, but it's always good to see
3: them lose. I'm definitely all for that. So I'll I'll throw it back to you, Alex talk some more about them if you look at their pitching staff right what they constructed this offseason that doesn't look like that doesn't look familiar like last year's met staff or cello walker you know shopping in the 99 cents aisle we don't shop in that aisle anymore that is not happening anymore you see the pitching depth we had we have we got Carrasco we got Noah Syndergaard they're going to come back in June one of those guys might have to go to the bullpen one of those guys may have to go to the bullpen because Peterson pitches like you need a lefty, especially in this division. You need a lefty. So it's Peterson or Lucchese, I don't think Lucchese is going to be the guy, the answer. Maybe next season, but not this season. He's the bullpen because Jacob Barnes, right? So that leaves you between Syndergaard, Carrasco, and like I said, Peterson. He's going to make it. If you for me, health-wise, Syndergaard always breaks down. Correct? Like he, he he'll pitch well and then all of a sudden he breaks down. I think for this team, if he I don't know if he's going to do it, but it, maybe come late in the season, he goes to the pen, and then you have a bullpen of Syndergaard, uh, May, Loop, Lugo, and Diaz to close out games.
1: In October, that's scary, man.
3: They did it in uh, in October in 2015. Remember uh, uh, Bartola. No, it was DeGrom in game five, and Syndergaard came in, and then Familia closes it to beat the Dodgers in game five in L.A to clinch that series. But I, because Carrasco, I think he, he's here to be. He's going to be in a rotation. They didn't trade for him to just be around. But I think Syndergaard, especially if you pay him a contract, start of money, for this season, the second half of the season, late in the year, if you need that arm and defense,
2: I think he can do it. Oh, 100%. And uh, Carrasco, I think absolutely he'll be in the rotation. This guy, he's a pro's pro. I think he's going to be a big boost to the rotation when he gets back. He'll be back sooner than Syndergaard. And I think he's going to come in. He's going to pitch well. He's just going to. I mean, you're seeing consistency. He's another guy who just kind of screams consistency. And I think the Mets planned around – you got guys like Carrasco and Syndergaard both get injured, but they planned around that by bringing guys like – we haven't even seen Jordan Yamamoto yet. I mean, he's more than serviceable, and he's just waiting for his opportunity.
3: He pitched well this weekend as well. He even tweeted out, I need Stro to teach me some strike uh, strike three struts. He tweeted it out.
2: Yeah, so why don't we just uh, move into – we'll just do a quick preview of the upcoming series against the uh, Cubs and Nationals because uh, we have Al here and we'd love to get to a Q&A session that we have planned for him. So just against Chicago, we have Taiwan Walker going tomorrow against Jake Arrieta. Weather permitting. Weather permitting. I mean, another postponement would be very fitting. Be very fitting. And then game two, we have David Peterson against Zach Davies. And then game three, we wrap it up with the DeGrom against Trevor Williams. So, Greg, I'll pass it to you. What do you got to say about the upcoming series against the Cubs?
1: I mean, listen, two, two out of three every series. That's got to be the, the theme to every, season, every series of the season. And looking at those matchups, I, I think I like our chances in all of them right there. I mean, I, who was pitching the first one? You said Arietta.
2: Yep, and he's been pretty pretty decent this year.
1: Yeah, listen, even when Ariel was at his best, we owned him. So I'm not concerned. He's probably still going to be shaking in his boots when he sees the blue and orange stepping <laughs> up. He's going to be thinking of Daniel Murphy anytime he sees a lefty in the box. goes going yabo off that, <laughs> that was
3: beautiful.
1: But I mean, the other days, again, like I said, Peterson, See, let's hope he can follow it up with another good outing. Walker's been looking, giving us four, five, six strong most outings, and then the, the Goats back on the bump on Thursday. Chicago's a team that you know I feel like they're gonna be playing with a chip on their shoulder a lot this year kind of a lot of people wrote them off after everyone having down years last year I think they can still be good but we don't see them a lot and I think tomorrow is a game in Wrigley like we need to go I mean if we play tomorrow but this series in general we need to go and we need to just show every NL team that we're legit and that we're the team to beat we don't want them thinking oh it's the Dodgers and the Padres we got to worry about and the Braves. No, I want to tell every team that's not in the division, we're, we're a top dog, and you got to come chase us when it comes to September, October.
3: They're struggling. The Cubs are struggling right now. The only bright spot has been Chris Bryant. He's, he's playing well right now. Uh, but They are struggling, man, and they got a lot of guys coming up contract-wise. So who knows, by the tread deadline, their, their third baseman might end up being our third baseman. But that's looking far ahead. As far as the series goes, uh, let's just get the series in. But to me, it used to be just win a series. But now for me, it's win the week. At the end of the week, you want to have a winning record every week. And if you do that, that's 90 plus wins for sure right there. But let's win the week uh, when it comes to the Mets this, this week
0: yeah that's a great mindset to have win the week um definitely big mindset for this team because we got big uh, expectations for them so uh, yeah just looking at the series the cubs have been struggling i think that was a great point about chris bryant um but maybe our third base and those are those are nice thoughts to have especially with him playing well again you know he's a uh, mvp type player um walker versus Arrieta, yeah, like greg said uh daniel murphy uh, i guess jake Arietta, those always bring back happy memories uh, so hopefully we'll continue to have his number tomorrow. That's on ESPN. And then uh, Peterson versus Davies. Davies is on my fancy team and he has been absolutely terrible. So I would not be surprised for them to uh, smack him around. He has been dropped by me. And uh, if anybody listens to the show and plays fantasy, you, if you still have team, definitely drop him as well. And then close it out with the Grom. Um, against Trevor Williams uh so just happy to see that hopefully we get those games in against the Cubs before we go back into the Nationals um so yeah I'm excited for that series always nice to play at Wrigley that's a nice stadium to, just a nice aesthetic for a game especially during the day I don't think any of those games are um during the day all 740 starts but always nice to play at Wrigley so uh hopefully we get three W's and uh, get the hell out of there
1: who do we have throwing on Friday? Because I think I'm going to be at the game that day, and I'm uh, very excited. It's going to be my first game in the year. Friday is
2: looking like Lucchese probably. I mean, it's not official. It's not announced. But I would say it's probably Lucchese Friday, uh, Stroh Saturday, and then Walker Sunday against Washington. Yeah, listen, that's,
1: that's
0: baseball. That's what
2: man. he is I And I think the Nationals are going to – we're probably going to run into Strasburg, Lester, and Corbin. Now, Who's Auburn's out. out. He's out now. I didn't see that news. He's out with an injury. Yeah, he's
1: hurt. He's hurt. He got rocked his last start. He would he fake an injury when he left? No, nah, he's hurt. Uh-uh.
2: Relating to fantasy, I just traded for him, and then he got rocked, and now he's hurt. So listen, I, that's what I get for trading for a national. We're talking while we're throwing slander everybody's way. The Nationals deserve it just as much as anyone else.
1: I'm watching them get their ass beat 6-0 to the Cardinals right now. I'm loving every second of right.
3: it. That's good.
2: Yeah, that's great. But uh, that would be great. That's a good series to stay hot, man. I mean, we got to win these divisional games because the NL East is competitive. Washington is a good ball club. And um, they got to take three. Just start expanding this division lead early.
3: Every team is beat up except for uh, the Marlins. are. That, they're that annoying team that's going to hang around. But the, the Braves just lost to Cunha. I know they're saying day to day. That's a dicey injury right there.
2: Yeah, dominals.
3: Yeah. The Nationals have um, Strasburg hurt, and they've been battling uh, injuries as well. Then you got the Phillies who are hit and miss. You know, so right now the Mets are healthy right now. And if they, if they can put some distance, I'm telling you, they can, they can stay in first the rest of the year. The rest of the year because everybody's beat up in the division.
1: And and going and going off what I was just saying about the, that Braves team, their starting pitching is yes. becoming a big problem, man. Soroka just got pushed back and delayed with another like shoulder inflammation. He's not come back to like June. Uh, Max Freed has been looking awful, and he just got put on the IL. They mm-hmm. got no. I mean, I haven't been seeing these crazy good signs for me and Anderson. Everyone says they got who Bryce Wilson, Kyle Wright. Like, they, I mean, yeah, Chuck Morton's there, but we haven't been seeing the Chuck Morton of years past as much. I think he's been touched up like once or twice in his three or four starts, but he's still Chuck more and he's good, but their, their rotation's thin, man. And like Al said, that your Acuna injury is nothing to sneeze at. Like we've seen guys with obliques and abdominal those weird injuries and they linger. And Acuna was as hot as anyone in baseball right now. And to see something like that, you hate it for the game, but for our Mets, like these are the games now in these weeks when, you know, say nationals, Braves struggling with these injuries, we got to capitalize. Let's pull, do, pull away two or three games.
2: Yeah.
3: Nobody felt, bad at all. Nobody felt bad for us in 2016. We went to the wild card game with third stringers. I was there. We couldn't score run. It was painful. Cinder Garverse uh, Bum bombard Oh, we, we were, were there.
2: there too, brother.
3: Yeah, you were there? Yep. Yeah. We were all there. No, we we're there. I have a I have a drunk giant fan making out with a slob of a man in front of me. It was it was awful. Connor oh,
2: Gillespie, man. Connor no, Gillespie. No, no,
3: that was that was awful. The, the, the excitement was there, but I just like Dave, we're not going to score this
2: game, man. We just don't have the offense. That grandy catch was electric, though. The place was
3: nuts. The place was nuts.
0: If I can find it on Twitter, there's a uh, there's a tweet of the three of us uh, coming out of a subway from a Giants reporter. And he gets a video of three Mets fans leaving the subway. And we're saying, let's go Mets. So I can I have it on my Twitter somewhere. Oh, nice. I can definitely find that. So I'll try and uh, Send that out, but yeah, that was a crazy game. Yeah, Connor Gillespie, who was in Garden was unhittable that game. Was literally throwing seeds, and then Familia, here we go. So, um, but no, th- th- funny that we all went to that game, man. You know, small world. It's good to see, and hopefully more times this year playing on baseball at Citi Field, man. Can't beat it. That atmosphere was wild.
2: Definitely. I just want to clarify before Strasburg, I just looked it up. He's got the shoulder injury. That's what they're calling it. He's on the 10-day IL with the shoulder injury. Uh, that's pretty typical for him throughout his career. So, But, uh, Al, while we got you here, I mean, we love to do a Q&A. So I'm going to pass it to Greg to fire away his first question at you.
1: So, Al, uh, what is your favorite ballpark you might have traveled to, and have you been able to catch any mech games on the road? And, you know, as a secondary question to that, what – fans or stadium they what who do you think is the hardest time to met fans in general besides like rivals obviously
3: okay so as far as stadium i'll never go to again it's dodger stadium yeah i was there in 06 game three when we 05 excuse me 05 yeah when 05 06
1: it was 06 i think when they played in the ds series yeah
3: uh game three when we beat them we swept them I went, I was with somebody I met at a Met game. Uh, I met him when the Mets beat the Marlins for the division. I ended up getting on the field, celebrating, blah, blah, blah. He fell, spraying the nails with the, the sprinklers. Anyway, that game, driving on the highway, we almost got run off the road because we had, the, the kid had a Met decal on his car. They told him, take it off the car. They told Dodger fans, like, you better take it off your car, you won't get home. I'm like, what the hell are we getting ourselves into? You know? We get to the stadium, I'm walking in the parking lot. Dodger fans try to fight me. They're walking in front of me. Trying to fight. Yeah. You get in the stadium, they have the old school ice bucket, you take a piss. So in the bathroom, somebody wanted to fight me. Walking to my seat, somebody threw something at me. I got hit in the head with a beach ball. I got french fries thrown at me. Uh, I had to sit forward the whole game at Dodger Stadium. So the people in front of me were getting hit. So they would turn around and tell the fans to stop. I saw a father get beer thrown on him in front of his little daughter. And the cops did nothing. That Those fans, they can go to hell. I will never, ever go to a Mets-Dodger game again. Again. But I do hope the 135 Mafia does go there and have a great time.
2: Oh, Al, thank you. Thank you, Al. We have to make that a point. We sent out a tweet. Uh, The Mets-Mafia has no relation to Section 135 Mafia whatsoever. Uh, We think it's a bunch of nonsense, and we think this kid's kind of making a fool of himself. We do not want to associate it with our brand. We ride with the 7-Line. Al is a contributor for the 7-Line, and I've traveled with them in the past. You go to a game with them; it's a great experience. I was there actually in uh, Cincinnati a couple summers ago, and we walked the uh, bridge to get to the game together. And we were uh, "Let's go Mets!" Bunch of chants. It's a great memory of mine.
3: You asked me what stadiums I've been to. I've been to New Marlins Park. I've been to Cincinnati. I've been to Arizona, with Pedro beat me fifteen to one. Dodgers Stadium, the old Yankee Stadium, obviously new one, City Field, Shea. My favorite ballpark. It sucks at on TV, but I've been to. But Marlon Stadium is I had a great time. Went there for the World Baseball Classic. Uh went DR versus USA, 40,000 fans. I was like, oh, this is better than I thought it was gonna be. And then PR versus DR in the finals. But that's a it's a nice stadium. It really is. All yeah, right, that's uh, a great experience
0: at uh, World Baseball Classic. Good for that. Was awesome. that. Definitely,
3: yeah. It was Absolutely. better than I thought it was gonna
0: be. I just kind of wanted to get to that thing about the Dodgers. And honestly, I'm not surprised. Like, if I kind of wanted to jump, in, I was gonna, that was going to be my guess when they said no rivals going to be the Dodgers, just because of how they are with the Giants fans. Man, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure a guy got killed there when I was a Giants fan. Um, and I like those Dodgers Giants games are not uh nothing to play around with in that parking lot. So I'm not surprised about that. That's uh that's definitely tough to see. So I'll just go ahead and uh go with my question. Um, so what I had to start off with uh was what was your reaction when uh, Steve Cohen bought the Mets in the Ponds? or the coupons, I should say, because uh, I know I was jumping for joy doing every dance you could think of. He's the Wilpons, it was just a living nightmare, man. So um, I know as a diehard, uh, I just want to hear what you got to say about that. It was
3: winning the World Series all over again. If it was, That's exactly what it was. I, that's why when I see Mets Twitter complain, I'm like, yo, do you understand? This is year one. We don't have the, the Wilpons anymore. This was a championship in itself, Steve Cohen, buying the team. There's an unlimited – I don't care what he says. There's an unlimited bankroll. Because if the Mets fall short this year, you don't think he's going to go out and splurge and get it done? He's going to look like a liar. He said three to five years he wants to win a chip. So this is three to five years we will have a chip. Uh, but when the Mets were bought by the Wilpons, I mean by excuse me, by Cohen, I said this is Christmas. and This was the World Series victory of 86 all over again.
2: Absolutely. We agree. I mean, we remember exactly where we were, man. That's a special day in our lives for sure. Uh, I'll move into my question Al. I just I'm curious because I saw on Twitter, your my infamous take. You actually covered this really well. I want your thoughts on Marcus Stroman because everyone on Mets Twitter seems to have a problem with this guy, whether it's uh, his personality or if he's blocking somebody. But us three, I mean, I could speak for Greg and CJ. We love this guy. He's a L.I. Uh, native and he pitches well for the Mets. So what's your thoughts on Stroman?
3: Um, if I was younger, I probably would have took it personally that he blocked me. I never said anything to him directly negative. I, I probably was caught up in some uh, chain message. So that's what I was told. Maybe I was caught up in that. But as far as Stroman, I, like, I, I don't care that he blocked me. It's whatever. You move on. It's his Twitter. He can do whatever the hell he wants. And I said it yesterday because they were cracking on his outfit that he had on. I don't care if he wore a Speedo and heels. He can pitch like this. As long as he keeps pitching like this, I really don't care. So I think and this is a sensitive uh, subject, but I think if you go over to the comments this offseason, especially it goes back to last season when he opted out. We, we Nobody had the information about COVID like what, that we have now. Nobody knows his personal life, his family. Nobody knows anything. Did it look bad because it, it helped with his service time when he opted out? Yeah, it looked bad. But it was probably a blessing in disguise. Can he pitch last season? Could he be as healthy and strong as he looks right now? No. Were we going anywhere last year? No. So in the long run, it was a blessing that Strowman sat out. And I just think it race plays a part in this with the comments that have been made towards Strowman blocking people. If you just look back, if you can, it's possible to look back last year. Uh he's been he catches flag for no reason. He's not cocky, he's confident, bro. Like he didn't get this, he, he's a professional. He's Gotta have confidence, or else you're not gonna make the pros.
1: Yeah, a lot of people like to confuse confidence and cockiness and mm-hmm. make it the same, but there's a fine line between the two, and that's what that's what fuels strove, and that's what makes him that's what got him to Duke, that's what got him to the bigs, that's why he pitches in the big moments, and he can do what he does because he you know has what, that confidence himself, whether he has it or not.
3: You know what's cocky? John Rocker. How'd that turn oh. out? That guy is cocky. He's not Strowman and Rocker they're not the same person at all so that's cocky and confidence right
0: there
3: mm-hmm. i kinda just i'll
0: just leave that kind of i had one other question for you i don't know if you have seen um but uh jimmy kibble is doing the uh, 1986 documentary for espn so i just wanted to uh get your thoughts on that and like what do you think because i know uh my parents had the 1986 world series uh Video, So we would watch that on every family trip and just seeing those guys would be absolutely electric. And now if that team was around, that team definitely would have been canceled in today's culture. So I just want to uh, know what you think about those guys and what you think about that documentary. I'm definitely
3: excited for it. I submitted for it uh, to be a part of it. Um, I have an 86. Game six was rained out. Mm-hmm. The Met, no, the Mets won game six. Game seven was rained out. Excuse me. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Now. And I fell asleep during game six. And I woke up the next morning, uh, have my bowl of cereal, whatever. My mom recorded and says, they lost, you can go watch it. Like, what? So I went to the living room, put the tape in and you know I'm a kid. So I'm watching, eight year old kid, I'm watching it like it's live. And then all of a sudden, everything happens the way it does, ball through Buckner's legs to the Mets win. I turned around, like, you lied, they won. you know. And uh, that team out of any sport is the 1986 Mets are the my favorite team of all time in any sport. I've been to the 20th anniversary, the 30th anniversary. Uh, I've met some of the guys. Uh, that, those guys were rock stars, man. Wait, you can back then. You can wait outside the parking lot. There was no big barriers like at City Field now. They have the uh, the tarp up where you can't see them. Those guys used to come out with the with the top down in the Corvette and pumping their fists to the fans and high fiving the fans. Like it was, it was. They are legends for life, and that's that. Yeah, it's disappointing that they didn't win one. one of them, uh, Win more than one World Series, and drugs had a big part to do with that. And 87 injuries happened. Keith always says that that's the biggest heartbreak he has the 87 team. Mm -hmm. So many injuries. The Mets could have won won three chips in a row, Matt. They could have won three chips in a row. 87 didn't have so many injuries.
2: Absolutely. And I think just with that, that was a great question, CJ. We're just going to roll right into our Mets Mafia trivia segment here, just like we did last week. Uh, actually, no one wound up getting our question right uh, last week. Hopefully, you guys have some better luck this week. Uh, here's our Mets Mafia trivia question. So, we're just going to go around ask Al, CJ, and Greg. And you guys answer on Twitter, and we'll let you all know if you guys were right. So, with five walks against Boston in 1986, who tied the Mets record for most walks in a World Series?
3: In a game or just in general? Is, this, was it the for the series. We get to answer now,
2: correct? Yep. So you guys could fire away your answers whenever you got them.
3: I'm gonna go with I was
1: eight. Uh, <laughs> we weren't even alive, so you're, your guess is better
0: than ours. <laughs> not even a thought. Not even a thought.
3: <laughs> I'm gonna go with Wally Backman.
0: I'm gonna go. I'm going go with uh, just a, just another professional. I'm gonna go Hojo Howard Johnson. I feel like. Uh, no, bad guess. I'm getting a big head nod from no uh a big no from Al. So maybe we'll take another one, huh? you know what? All right, I'll go right night. I like I like when he jumps into home plate, So we'll go right night. That would be my guess. I'm not gonna look it up. One guess probably would have been enough for me, so I'll go with the two right night. He's got the meanest right hook there. in the
2: national league, dude.
3: Eric Davis, that was on Monday night baseball, I believe, or Thursday night baseball.
2: All right, Greg, Monday what night night you
3: raw? got for us? Monday night
0: raw, WWE <laughs> I was thinking Ray Knight,
1: too. I'm just going to go with Mookie. I know he was a speed guy. He's probably a high-on-base guy. Again, I didn't get to watch them day-to-day, but I'm going to go Mookie on that one.
2: All right, all good guesses from you gentlemen. Um, Al, I'd like to thank you for joining us. Uh, everyone's got to give him a follow on Twitter, at one, uh, the infamous Teal Al. you got to catch out my infamous take. Uh, he does great work. Just Al, thanks for joining us, Everyone
3: man. just came out today.
2: All right, I'll pass it over to CJ to uh, take us out of here.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Allison, we can't thank you enough, man. Thank you for being our first guest. We really do appreciate that. Um, we hope this podcast does nice things and uh, we're very happy to have you along. I'll be the first guest that's big. I'm um, always uh, thankful for the Seven Line, like you said, uh, contributor from Seven Line. So it was great to have you. And uh, I just wanted to add, um, Connie, um, the correct trivia answer, if I'm not wrong, to so last week's question, we didn't say that for the podcast, but it was Dan Ugler, right? That was his last um, home run at Chase Stadium. Dan Ugla, that's correct?
2: That is correct. Yep. It was Dan Ugla. I, I can't believe no one thought of it with the size of those forearms. I mean,
3: I think it was, he was a Met was Killer, but Sean Weiss or Ayala? which one he hit off Sean Weiss or Ayala? Which
2: one? Oh, I, I would have to go back. I'm I gotta Sean check, Weiss,
3: right? But yeah, I looked
0: at I uh, I looked at the what do you call it? Uh, before show? Sean, Sean I think Wes Helms hit one uh, right before that too. So oh. Carlos Beltran was the last Met. Uh, they hit one, but it was uh. Dan Oglob was the last person to did that home run at Shea Stadium.
3: I got a win in my final game at Shea. It was the day before that when May, uh, May oh, it was Johan Santana. He had yeah. game on one leg. I was there for that. And I had tickets to the playoffs. If they made it, I didn't want to go to the last game because I didn't want heartbreak because I was there a the year before, I'm and I'm glad I didn't go.
1: Al, thank you, man. This has been awesome. Thank you so really much. Appreciate man. it. Listen, I hope to catch you at a game this summer.
3: Yeah, I'm uh, my second vaccination in a couple of weeks. And then after that, sometime in May, I'll be there. I'll be at City Field.
1: So, Awesome. Awesome stuff, man. Great having you. Thank you. LFGM.
3: Let's go, yeah. Mets, baby. Yeah. LFGM, yeah. Al, my first
0: game is May 11th against the Orioles. So I'll be there. My uh, second vaccine is right before that. So I'll be out there. I got a 16 game package with one of my friends. So we'll be out there a bunch. Uh, the next one after that, I think, uh the 24th and the 28th. So definitely. Link up uh definitely glad to have you here I like honey to uh, wrap it
3: up um great episode thank you again thank you so much i appreciate the shine
2: absolutely thank you again al everyone go please everyone please go check them out and as always please like rate uh comment and subscribe to our platforms and uh just show the podcast some love we appreciate our listeners and as always uh let's go mets let's
3: go mets,
1: let's go
0: mets baby
2: lfgm oh, yeah.